Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are here and our hope is that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We continue with our series titled The Way of the Cross. Pastor Gershom shares with us today on how this way is one of weighty worship. This Palm Sunday, we celebrate Jesus the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who is worthy of all of our praise and worship. As we listen to the word, can we ask God to speak to us and help us worship him in spirit and in truth? Hi church, it's such a joy and a privilege to be bringing God's word to you. Even today as we celebrate the Palm Sunday, the day when Jesus actually went into Jerusalem. He was the Messiah. but people didn't know him and even as we're looking through the series the way of the cross we are reminded that jesus was on this earth for a bigger purpose and even as he uh, went through even as we've seen through this entire uh, last five parts we've seen that there's so much that jesus wanted us to understand even as he went to the cross so that he could lay down his life for us in fact for you and for me for entire humanity so in the first part we saw that even as we journey on this way it's not the broad way but it's the narrow way it's in that narrow way where we find life where we find jesus where we can sense him and where we can uh, you know be moving forward because of the help of the holy spirit we saw that he is the way maker and often times there may not uh, be a way right in front of us but he knows the entire journey and he wants us to trust him and take that step of faith the second part we saw that jesus didn't come into this world to force something on us In fact the scripture says it's this unforced rhythms of grace and i don't know how many of you uh, felt a lot of uh, liberation when you were listening to that but for me even as i was preparing and preaching that out i sensed that god was like liberating me in so many ways things which i said you know to myself like if i don't do this i think god is not with me but over the years and over the uh, time that i've got to spend with him i've realized that it's that love that i have that causes it to be this unforced rhythms of grace and we saw that time and again god wants us to walk in that knowledge of him and even as we went on to the third part we saw that this journey that jesus lived on the earth was one of selfless love and was one of selfless service and he expected his children those who call on his name those who say that i am a follower of jesus i want jesus in my heart we need to express and in fact show that and live that out selfless at the same time our service towards others is selfless and the love that we showcase to others is selfless because that's what we've received from him in the fourth part we went on to see how we have to be plugged into a jesus believing community we were not meant to do this journey alone just by ourselves and in that very nature of being plugged into a jesus believing community we also get to know that whose side are we on are we on the world side or are we on the side who says that you know we are following jesus whatever might come we'll follow him and last week we saw what it takes in this way of the cross that we need to pray there's nothing that we can do in this world without praying in fact jesus when he was walking on the face of this earth when he was into his ministry 33 years you know he took time to pray he just uh, sometimes moved away from his own disciples and just was praying we saw how it is important to have that pivotal praying mode on we saw how it's important to be persistent in the prayer mode and we also saw how it's important to be prophetic 
And today we've come to the sixth part, which is, you know, uh, it's a beautiful way in which everything is just coming together. And this beautiful way is where we get to see Jesus in all his entirety. He's actually coming into Jerusalem. This journey that he's been doing for the last three and a half years, gathering disciples, telling the people around him that he is the Messiah, the Father has sent him, that he is God walking on the earth, that he can feel what you are feeling. He can know what you are going through. He knows the hardship of man. So today we have a God who relates to us. And so when he walked and when he's on this journey into Jerusalem, something happens. And that's what we celebrate today called the Palm Sunday because we are welcoming him as the king into our lives. So even as we go on to the sixth part, I've titled this as the way of weighty worship. Because when the king comes, there's only one thing we can do is that we can worship him. And so why this play of words of using weighty worship is what we're going to delve deeper into scripture and going to see. So even before we go into that, even as I said, we are celebrating Palm Sunday today that he is the king. He's just not the king of the Jews. He's the king of kings. Every ruler that's ruled on the face of the earth, he is king over everyone. He is Lord over everyone. He is God. And that's what we are very specific as a church. That's why we say whoever finds Jesus finds life because Jesus is the true and living king. Reading from Matthew chapter 21, which goes on to say, verse 5 onwards, Tell the daughter of Zion, the people of Jerusalem, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Then the disciples went and did as Jesus has instructed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their coats on them. And Jesus sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road as before a king, while others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed him were shouting in praise and adoration, Hosanna to the son of David, in brackets it says Messiah, blessed, praised, glorified is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, all the city was trembling with excitement, saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Even as I took this verse, I started off by taking the words which were of a prophecy, which was told of what Jesus would do when he comes into Jerusalem. And here it's interesting that when he comes, he's not coming as a conquering king. His mission was not to replace the earthly kingdom. In fact, when we look through the entire um, nature of which the Jewish people were actually expecting him to come, they were expecting that. And it got me thinking that even as I was uh, looking through this passage, we oftentimes have a misplaced expectation on Jesus. We look at him as something different. We think that every time we call on him, there is a solution at the end of it. But Jesus here had a bigger purpose, had a bigger plan. But it's interesting that the people did something prophetically over there. People, in fact, when they shouted, they shouted as they were doing to a king. But in their hearts, what they believed was that he is none other than a prophet who is Jesus from Nazareth. 
And even as we look into this, we see that there's this contrast. Even as we move on to the following week, you'll see the same people actually turn their backs on Jesus and they go on to say, crucify him because the expectation was not met when he walked in. And so we see here Jesus is riding on a donkey. In fact, it's also prophesied about which animal he'll ride on. He comes in and many scholars go on to say that him riding on a donkey is an example of meekness and is an example of humility. And it's interesting in the prophecy, it goes on to say it's a beast of burden. In fact, at that time, the donkey was used to carry heavy load of you know burden time and again you'll see you know so many instances where you know Jesus talks about uh, a donkey if it's like fallen and won't you take it up and on a Sabbath day take it up and he says you know you will go ahead even though it's a Sabbath and you're not supposed to do any work you'll go ahead and save your donkey because the donkey is the one which carries its heavy load the people's heavy load we see in the story of the good Samaritan he places him on a donkey and takes him to a place where he gets nursed the donkey was known to carry heavy loads. And so Jesus, when he's sitting on this donkey, it's actually like in all meekness. And we've heard earlier in our sermons, meekness is not weakness. In fact, meekness is strength. You're fulfilling a bigger purpose, a bigger calling that God's placed on your life. And here Jesus is fulfilling the call that the Father has placed on his life. And so even as he's seated and as he's journeying, in all humility, he's taking the burden of the entire world. The people who are putting their coats down there are all thinking he's coming in to probably cause a revolution and, you know, try to overthrow their present ruler at that time who was a Roman Empire. But Jesus was coming in to save the entirety of mankind. And so today, church, even as we go through this, how are we going to worship our king? That leads me to, the, to a question to ask each and every one of you. Is Jesus really your king? Is Jesus really your God? Is he personally your king? Is he the king of your family? Is he the king of everything that you have? Because it's interesting, when we say Jesus is God, we oftentimes compartmentalize him. But it's uh, when you're living in a land, let's say you're ruled by a king, everything belongs to him. In fact, the land belongs to him. You know, the king suddenly will decide and say, you know what, today I declare 30% is the tax that you all have to pay to me. Or suddenly he can just grab any land and say, you know, this is mine. Or he can just take what is yours and put his name on it. That's what a king does. He has everything. And so oftentimes we are comfortable with that understanding of um, seeing Jesus as God. And we kind of like, you know, play around with that. We kind of like say, God, you have access here. You don't have access here. But when we say, Jesus, you are king, it's like an in, our entire worldview changes because we're saying, God, you are my everything. It's interesting when they say Hosanna here, Hosanna in the highest, the Hebrew word over here, you know, it actually is not exalting, uh, you know, God. It's actually, it goes on to say that it, it's translated to saying save or help. They were looking for their own redemption from their own captivity. They didn't want to be under another ruler. They wanted to be set free. That was all their focus was on. But when you see here, what they were going on to say is the fact that Jesus is the king. The very act that they did of taking their coats, they were welcoming a king. But they didn't know Jesus' plan was bigger. 
In fact, when we go on to read, we read from John 17, what Jesus goes on to say to his disciples. In fact, in John 16, Jesus predicts in, towards the end, he predicts to his disciples, you know what, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. You won't see me. And he gives this comforting verse, which many of us know by heart. In fact, many of us, you know, love that verse because it says, do not fear or do, let your heart not be troubled for I've overcome the world. And it goes on to John 17, where Jesus is praying and he tells the father, father, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to do what you've sent me here to do. And let's read that John chapter 17 verses 1 to 5. It says, when Jesus had spoken these things, he raised his eyes to heaven in prayer and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. Just as you have given him power and authority over all mankind, now glorify him so that he may give eternal life to all you have given to be his permanently and forever. Now, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true, supreme and sovereign God, and in the same manner know Jesus as the Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you down here on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory and majesty that I had with you before the world existed. You know, if there's a proof that we are looking for this is the proof that the triune god existed even before the world was created jesus prays this prayer and then he goes on to pray a specific prayer for his disciples that they'll be strengthened that their faith won't be shaken and he goes on to pray for the world again for the redemption that has to happen and reading this we see jesus was here on earth to fulfill what he was sent to do that is to redeem mankind to give eternal life so that whoever called on the name of Jesus, whoever saw Jesus as Christ will be saved. Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. Many of them didn't see him as a king. And then even as I was reading through, I realized, you know, many a times for us to see Jesus as the king, there are certain things that we need to do, else we will not see him as king at all. You know, he's, Jesus is not, uh, when we read through the Psalms, when we read through, uh, you know, the uh, the way David sometimes tells, he says, God, you're seated right high above. The earth is your footstool. Just imagine if the earth is his footstool, how small we are. Yet it goes on to say, you know, Jesus says, I even know the number of hair that is there on your head. He goes on to say, aren't the birds being fed every day? He knows every detail. So this God who's big, yet is so clear of what every little detail is. He is our king. There's no limitation. And the Jews, if you see right after they left Egypt, in Deuteronomy, we see where, you know, uh, Moses gives this command, what God tells them, you know, if there will come a time, Israel, when you will want a king, there will come a time when you will want a judge. There will come a time when, you'll, when, when prophets will rise around you. There will come a time when you will trust only in priests. In fact, when we read through after Deuteronomy, you'll see judges were there. In fact, Moses set up a lot of judges so that they could take care of all the uh, issues that were rising across different camps. But then it goes on to say there's a limitation there also because when there were things which were beyond what the judge could handle, they were supposed to come to the temple and ask God for his intervention there. It goes on to say you will ask for a prophet 
And then it says, when God says, you know, how will you test a prophet or how will you know that the prophet is telling what God's telling? Because whatever the prophet says, if it doesn't come true, it means it's not from God. There is a limitation there. We see that priests, priests were not allowed to own land. In fact, they were provided for. And God goes on to tell that priests will time and again have to be dependent on him. We see from the life of Eli, how they, you know, didn't do what they were called to do. There were limitations there. We see when Saul became king. God goes on to say in Deuteronomy that, you know what? A king should keep away from wealth. He should keep away from women. He should keep away from, you know, just taking too much of land because it will get to him. He needs to inscribe the word of God. In fact, the priests have to read out the word of God daily to him so that he knows that there's God who's above him. And we see from then on, Israel and Judah are not able to get along. Kings fight unnecessary battles. We see wealth accumulated just distracts them away from God. And so Israel is in this, in this journey all along for this true Messiah to come. And here comes Jesus who actually comprises of all these four. And it's interesting to see the king who comes has a different kingdom of his own, has a different agenda of his own and his people are not able to see. And oftentimes we are on that same boat. We really do not know who and why and what Jesus is doing. We are in our own agenda. But the sooner we realize and say, Lord, you are my king and I want to know what your plan is, then things will look different. Can we just go on to a couple of scriptures that I would like to read from what it happens when Jesus, who takes on these four different roles and comes through into Jerusalem, how does it look? He is the perfect judge. He is the prophet of all prophets, in fact. He is the high priest. Because it's, you know, it goes on to say in Hebrews, in the order of Melchizedek, he is the one who actually is the atonement for us. And it goes on to say that he is the king of all kings. Reading from Romans 2 verse 11, it goes on to say, For God shows no partiality, no arbitrary favoritism with him. One person is not more important than another. Jesus is the perfect judge. He shows no favoritism. And he fulfills that. We go on to read from Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 to 14. It says, Christ purchased our freedom and redeemed us from the curse of the law and its condemnation by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs crucified on a tree, which is the cross, in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would all receive the realization of the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. He is the perfect king. He is just not the king of the Jews. It goes on to say here, he is the king of the Gentiles also. He came for everyone. So today when Jesus came into Jerusalem, it's just not for a select few, but it was for the whole world, entire mankind. And the last verse I would like to read as a king, what is he going to do is, Reading from Revelation chapter 20, verse 12, it goes on to say, Behold, I, Jesus, am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to each one according to the merit of his deeds, earthly works, faithfulness. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, and the beginning and the end, the eternal one. This king who came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday 
is also coming back to redeem, to take his kingdom back. And all those who follow him will be part of that kingdom. And that's our hope that the time will come and when for some of us, we might close our eyes here and when we open our eyes, we will be in the kingdom with him. But for all of us, we'll be longingly waiting here today, waiting with this expectation that Jesus is coming back. So you're like, okay, you've explained that Jesus is the king. Yes, he is the king. He is the king, no matter what. No matter whatever you're going, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter uh, what kind of a situation you're caught in between, he is still king and he's willing to hear you out. He's willing to listen to you. Even as we've seen through this entire series, the way of the cross, there's one thing that the king wants us to do. It's to worship him, that he wants us to worship him. And the reason why I've put the word weighty worship is the fact that it's not a half-hearted worship. It's in our everything we have to worship him. It's everything that we have, we have to channel it and say, God, you are my king. And when we exalt Jesus as king, everything else comes down. Time and again, God's proved that in my life. When I've elevated something else, be it something that I've done, something that I'm proud of, something that I've accomplished, or be it something that, you know, I'm, uh, uh, as a family, we are proud of. Time and again, we see that that balance, you know, it's not a thing of playing balance at this point. It's saying, Lord Jesus, you are king. Everything else comes down. Everything else is secondary. Everything else. So today, if there's something in your life that's really plaguing you, for some of us, it could be our very own body, the ailments that we have. For some of us, it could be the situation that we are in. You know, we've been waiting. It's, you know, um, in fact, just last week, the world celebrated, you know, not only the world, our nation celebrated one year of lockdown. It could be a situation that you're in. It could be your job. It could be, you know, something that happened in your life. And that's become a governing factor. Jesus today wants to be your king. And when he is king, there's nothing else that can take its place. So if we say that Jesus is our king, this worship that we offer to him, this worship that we do every day, week in, week out, will look different. Which leads me to my first point. In this way of weighty worship, our posture should be one of surrender. When we read early on in Matthew and the other gospels also say the same thing. When Jesus started coming in, the people took their cloaks and they just and their coats and they just placed it on the floor for Jesus to ride on. There's something about uh, that very act that they did. And it's important for us that many a times whatever we are having on us, we need to take it out and say, God, I lay it down before you, ride on, ride on top of it. And Jesus is willing to ride on top of it. So today, whatever it is, even as I mentioned a few things earlier, sometimes it could even be our very own identity. It could be sometimes our, uh, our struggle, which is so big that we think no one else can. We've, you know, we've, we are carrying it. We are carrying it like a heavy burden. 
But when we are going to worship our king, we need to remove it. Because oftentimes the posture that we stand with this struggle, with this thing that we are calling ourselves and uh, telling ourselves, it just doesn't allow us to surrender ourselves fully to the king. So today, even as Jesus is passing by, can we, you know, just remove whatever we are struggling with, remove it and lay it at his feet and say, Jesus, go on top of it. I want you to ride over it so that you will be king over it. Reading from John chapter 4, verses 8 to 10, it goes on to say, And the third time the accuser lifted Jesus up onto a very high mountain range and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all the splendor that goes with it. All of these kingdoms I will give to you, the accuser said, who is Satan, if only you will kneel down before me and worship me. And Jesus goes on to say in verse 10, But Jesus said, Go away, Satan, for the scriptures say, Kneel before the Lord your God and worship only him. Today, if there's one thing that Satan will use to distract us, which will use to steer us away, from seeing Jesus as king, is the very burden that he'll lay on us. Our, be it whatever, our circumstance, our health, our identity, anything. And Jesus is saying, hey, your posture is important. When you come to me, would are you willing to kneel down and just lay everything down? So today, I don't know for whom I'm telling. If all this while you've been carrying this heavy load, can you remove that coat and lay it at the feet of Jesus to go on top because he is the king. It says clearly here, kneel before the Lord your God and worship him alone. There's nothing else that's bigger. If the future is your biggest concern, who better to hand it over than the person who calls himself the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end? Why do you have to burden yourself by worrying about the future, for worrying how your life is going to turn out? When all you're asked to do is lay it down and say, Jesus, I worship you for who you are. The worship that we offer Jesus and when we cast everything at the altar is to say, God, you are worthy to be adored. Satan always wants to disconnect us from God. In fact, um, when you look at Satan, his posture is never anything about surrender when it comes to God or when it comes to Jesus. He, in fact, fell from God's glory because of his posture. He thought he was one and equal with God. Pride took the better of him. And so if there's anything that Satan will use is the very fact which he fell by, he's going to use the same thing. He's going to make you think that you know more than God, that you can handle this better than God, that you probably are in control of everything. But the sooner we can come to that posture and say, God, my posture is one of surrender. God comes in and is king over there. And we see here beautifully where it says, uh, uh, the scriptures time and again when we read, surrender does not mean weakness. Surrender does not mean I'm going to lose the battle. Surrender does not mean we are not wanted here. Surrender means saying, Jesus, you are my king, you lead me. Surrender is that, Jesus, this is the battle that I'm facing, but you are my king, you go before me. It's interesting. 
it's only when we surrender we can actually declare who our king is so it's in our surrender that we actually are telling god god even if i don't have the words i believe that you will come through your promises will come through i for one love worship so much in fact if there's anything that's got me through my years of being alone and away from family is worship songs i still remember early on when i had my uh, discman i just had barely three or four cd's at that time and i you know literally till every scratch possible even if the scratches i allowed it to play because those are the only things that i had every time i listen to these worship songs they just didn't were not just songs which i was just listening and getting entertained by but they eventually became something that i was singing to my situation i love this part where every songwriter every lyricist who has penned down any song if you ask them if you hear their story behind the song you'll see that their posture was always one of surrender in fact david when you read through the psalms it's one of surrender he in fact in the good times is surrendering to the god of all creation in the ba- bad times he's surrendering himself to the god who will lead him through that so it's not uh, we don't surrender based on a season we don't surrender based on our circumstance irrespective of what we are going through we are always in a position we are always in a posture of surrender i am reminded a lot of us know the song god will make a way and oftentimes probably we were, we would have heard the story behind it he wrote it when his uh, wife's sister's family met with a terrible accident and they had lost a few family members he had no words to say and as he was on that flight back he opened the bible and that's what the word said from isaiah god will make a way where there seems to be no way he works in ways we cannot see it's a position it's a posture of surrender lord i don't know what if the circumstances is too hard for me to even think or to talk about i don't have the words but his word comes through because he is king the song a raise a hallelujah is sung when one of the kids is actually admitted in hospital and is in a severe condition and when the church gathered all they could do was just raise a hallelujah this song that's come out recently by hill song called fresh wind when the songwriters are talking about they said you know what they wanted the holy spirit from the book of acts chapter 2 to come down a fresh wind because over the last one year if there's one thing that humanity's been struggling is with regard to breathing with the pandemic they want a fresh wind to be given into our very own lungs so that we can be able to sing out we can be able to worship through whatever we are going through so today what is our posture are we willing to surrender ourselves to the king of kings and so for those of you who have been struggling to worship for those of you who are thinking you know what i'm i'm just giving of myself on a sunday to worship no worship is every day worship is when you're when you're driving you can worship singing his praise doesn't require you to be within the four walls of a church shouting his praise doesn't require you to be within with a set of believers no you can do it quietly you can do it you know alone you can do it driving in your car you can do it wherever you are are you willing 
to get into that posture of surrender. Remove that coat, whatever it is that's plaguing you and lay it at the feet and say, Jesus, you are my king. Please come over, take over. And at the end of it, when we actually declare Jesus as king and when we have that posture of surrender, we'll soon realize God has bigger plans and purposes through the story that he's leading us. This leads me to my second point. In this way of weighty worship, what we believe in our heart and what we declare with our mouth really matters. Today, you know, we are so entertained by some of the songs that we can sing or we, you know, we love listening to our playlists because we love those worship bands or we love those songs. And oftentimes, in fact, most of the times it's just our mouths just saying it, but our heart is not believing it. Till a point when you actually are in that place, when you are actually at the crossroads, when between, uh, you know, life and death, between you don't know what's going to happen, what the outcome is. That's when those words start making sense. That's because you're at a point where your heart is actually starting to believe what your mouth is actually saying. But God wants us to come to a place where we, on this journey, in this way of the cross, that we will always be able to say things that we believe. Because when we, what we believe gets activated and is declared with our mouth. Reading from Romans chapter 10, verses 9 to 11, it goes on to say, And what is God's living message? It is the revelation of faith for salvation, which is the message that we preach. For if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will experience salvation. The heart that believes in him receives the gift of the righteousness of God. And when the mouth confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture encourages us with these words, everyone who believes in him will never be disappointed. So today, church, what are you believing and what are you declaring? That's why the last time I checked, no person who just believed was able to lead another person to Christ. No quiet Christian was able to lead another person to Christ or was able to testify about what Christ had actually done in his life or her life. When they believed and when they declared with their mouth is when people around knew that this is a person who's following Christ. So today, what is it that we've been doing? Some, some of the times we can, you know, it's all about getting the right catchphrases. Last week, if you heard, you know, even with prayer, we often tend to copy some of the catchphrases what others are using around. It's good to use catchphrases. It probably, you know, makes us look good around others. But what are we really believing? When we end up in tough places where life takes us through, what we believe really matters. And church today, that's why it's important. When someone says they're following Christ, no, the first step is they declare with their mouth, they believe with their heart. The second thing that prompts them into doing the next step is they go on to take baptism. To tell the world, hey, you know what? I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. That's what happens when you believe and when you declare it with your mouth. I love how the Israelites actually went into battle. They didn't, uh, as a nation, they never had everything. They never had, you know, the blacksmiths to actually make them chariots and, you know, weapons of warfare. They never had too much. 
you know and so every time they went into warfare the first person that was actually in the front was not the best soldiers that they had in fact it was the priests who carried the ark and when they carried the ark they had a whole bunch of other priests who had trumpets with them when they stepped into the battle they knew that who they could take was only jesus and they blew their trumpets there is a time there is a time when i'm saying this that you know are you telling me that you have to I have to constantly be talking about jesus no there is a time and there is a place there will be battles when like even in the battle of jericho there will be a season when you will have to believe god will come through but there is a time and a place where god will tell you to open your mouth and speak to the problem so that that will come down if you are not listening to him you won't be able to speak at the right time that he's asking you to speak today what is it you're believing with your heart are you believing that this very thing this very coat that you're struggling to remove is plaguing you and are you declaring that time and again probably god's calling you today to change the narrative when you worship him the narrative has to change when you worship him what you believe has to change when you worship him what you believe and what you declare with your mouth has to change i want to read from psalm 147 verses 10 to 12 it goes on to say he does not delight in the strength military power of the horse nor does he take pleasure in the legs the strength of a man the lord favors those who fear and worship him with awe inspired reverence and obedience those who wait for his mercy and loving kindness praise the lord of jerusalem praise your god o zion i love what verse 11 says the lord favors those who fear and worship him with awe inspired reverence and obedience those who wait for his mercy and loving kindness israel if you time and again read through the old testament you'll see they were meticulous in counting the number of soldiers that actually went into war and in fact the minute they count you'll see uh, suddenly five kings come together and there are like 120000 men whereas here you see there are just like 6000 or 20000 men on the israel side but god gave them victory it's because here those who fear and those who worship him so today what is it that you're taking into your battlefield are you taking strength are you taking some form of military power for a lot of us when we step into a battlefield many a times it's probably the qualification that we have we take it in it could be our intellect thing that you know what i i'm a problem solver i can do this you know for some of us it could be our wealth it could be you know what i have this much of a bank balance i've saved up so much in equity you know i have this this is my portfolio but god saying hey when you're stepping into the battlefield all you need is me all you need is me and so today church if there's one thing that i want us to take out of this entire thing is can we make jesus our king yes he won't look like the king that we would want but again his kingdom is different the rules that he asked us to live by is completely different we saw earlier on he's called us to be selfless you know this king that we are serving he doesn't demand something but he delights in us we all have this thing called free will where we get to choose what we want you know and there comes a point in time where we have to 
out of our own free will which God's given us. Just imagine if Jesus just wanted to have a world which just worshipped him. He could have created a world which had a free will just to worship him. But why did he give us this gift of choice? So that we can choose to worship our maker. We can choose to worship our king. And that's when he delights in us. So today what Jesus wants us is, Hey, would you come with all your heart? Irrespective of whatever label you carry or whatever you, your baggage is, just come in all sincerity and say, Jesus, my posture here is one of surrender. And even as I'm here today, I believe in my heart and I declare it with my mouth that you are my king. Can we do that? Because he delights in us. He wants to be our king. He wants to come. He wants, just imagine the king of kings just is with us. If that, what an assurance that is. That will allow us to step into every unknown territory. That will help us to take that step of faith. That will help us to, you know, be stronger in our present circumstances. Knowing that we have a God who's hearing us. So even as we listened, can we step into this journey of declaring Jesus as king? Jesus as king over every area of our lives. Jesus as king. And can we take on that posture of surrender? And can we also believe with all of our heart and declare with our mouth, irrespective of whatever our situation is, that you are our king. That you are our king. Can I just pray with you? And can we all believe and agree with that? Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time. I pray specifically for all those who are listening that you would be with them, Lord. I pray whatever our situation is right now, Lord, we declare with our mouth and we believe with our heart that you are our King, Lord Jesus. Jesus, you are our King. We declare that, Lord Jesus. And I pray that we'll always take on this posture of surrender. We will lay it all before you, Lord Jesus. And in faith, because you are our King, we believe, Lord, that you will go before us. You will strengthen us. Be with us, Lord. In your most holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.